Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. book is called, I, I'm not sure the name, if anybody gets a good name, let me know, but it's about raising the dead. Everything the Lord's shown me so far about raising the dead, we've hardly begun to raise the dead, amen, but I have, we have seen uh, the dead raised, and we're believing for it to be more impactful, but with 20, uh, 2020 and 2021, people everywhere were trying to raise the dead, because Christians were dying left and right, to be honest, and leaders were dying, and None of, the, none of them of leaders were raised from the dead that, I, that I, I'm sure they weren't. It would have made all over. They would have had a book out. And okay, so the Lord put on my heart, teach them what I've shown you, and I'm going to teach you more. Amen? So today I'm going to do the chapter on Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. It's one of the most powerful revelations of what raising the dead is really about. Um, and, and we're going to really get some insight into the heart of God and why he raises the dead, and why he doesn't always raise the dead. There is a there is. We are told in the Great Commission to go, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, and raise the dead. Not in that order, but that's basically the four things. So we are commanded by God to do these things. Amen. But we also have to look at where Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing which means we will not heal every sick person. We will not raise every dead person. Um, you won't have authority to cast out every demon, or you can usually cast them out in the name of Christ, but they're going to come back in. The person will be s seven times worse, which is make, make you look good for a few minutes, but actually can cause a big mess. Amen? Uh, I really encourage you, too, when you go to pray for somebody with something like cancer or something with a spirit of infirmity, you better know how to minister to them so it doesn't come back seven times worse. Uh, the world calls that... Um, they're out of remission. And if you've ever seen anybody come out of remission, especially for cancer, that prophetic law or that biblical law is true. They're usually uh, about seven times worse than they were when they had it the first time. And I talk about that a little bit in my, my book, Joy Comes in the Morning. And so we need to grow up, amen? It's not about how do I look right now. It's about what is God doing in this? So join me in John 11. Now this is amazing. I could not find the story not the story, the truth about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, except in one gospel. Isn't that something? And I'm, I don't know why only John told about it. Maybe John was the one who, who had the most insight about it when they were writing this. Um, and maybe the Lord wanted people to get kind of deep in him to understand about raising the dead. And John had that kind of heart. John was the one who just loved Jesus. He said he even called himself the one that Jesus loves. And he wasn't trying to be prideful. He had a deep, deep relationship with the Lord that not many had. And that's why I love reading the book of John and I love reading First and Second John. But the book of John, the gospel that John wrote, is deeper 
to, in my thinking, than other parts of the gospel. He talks about more prophetic things. He talks about more uh, spiritual things. And there's more, to me, there's more spiritual revelation that he walked in. You know, he, John the Beloved, was the only apostle that they did not, they were not able to kill him. And history says they tried to boil him alive and he wouldn't die. Um, he, he actually lived out what you see in the book of Daniel, you know, where God came in and wouldn't let him kill him. And he was the only one. So they put him on Patmos, which was a prison camp, a hard labor camp, even into his old age. And there he got the revelation and was able to write the book of Revelations. How amazing is that? And so, so get that idea when you realize why maybe God wanted only John's account of this in the Gospels. I'm not sure. That's something the word doesn't tell us. And so John 11.1. 1. There was a certain sick one, Lazarus, from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary. So remember this, Lazarus is the brother of Mary and Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Then the sisters sent to him, to the Lord, saying, Behold, the one whom you love is sick. So he wanted, they wanted Jesus to know, hey, you've got to get here. The one you love, your good friend, someone who's really close to you, not just part of the crowd, but someone who's up close and personally your friend is really sick. And we need you here. We need you to come and pray for him. And hearing Jesus said, this is not sickness to death. All right, so I want you to get this. Before Jesus ever saw Lazarus, before he ever saw Lazarus, before he knew what the doctors were saying, probably didn't have physicians saying anything. So when he is saying this, get this, Jesus knew right away from the father that Lazarus was not going to die and literally uh, go to heaven or go to um, paradise at that point. He already knew that. There was a relationship of a depth in knowing the Father's will and hearing God right away. Jesus was talking to God about what was going on with Lazarus before Lazarus died. It wasn't like when you hear people say, well, maybe it has to get this bad. Jesus had faith. He had the faith, he had the power, he had the love, and he had direction from the Father, amen? to raise Lazarus from the dead. So he had full confidence that Lazarus was not going to be permanently dead or his season to be dead. Amen? Jesus said, the sickness is not to death. I want to look at that in the King James. This sickness is not unto death. Well, it's funny because he died, isn't it? So what was Jesus doing? Jesus was seeing beyond what you were going to see in the natural because Jesus can't lie. Amen. So Jesus was seeing already by the spirit that Lazarus was not dead. And, and the idea of death is out of here. It's for man to die one time. Amen. So he knew whatever happens in between the time of death and going back then would have been to paradise or into the bosom, uh, which was according to the scripture down beside hell. And, and it was a holding place. And so he's saying, no, he's not going there. He's not going to go there. He's not going to stay there. It doesn't tell us when we get into this, what happened to him in the, that time, to his spirit and all. Amen? Let me go back to the literal. 
This is not sickness to death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God will be glorified by it. All right, so raising the dead is to glorify God. Amen? Raising the dead isn't because you need that person. Raising the dead isn't because that person has more value than somebody else and should be raised from the dead. Raising the dead is not really about that person. And we'll actually start to grow in God. You realize nothing is about us. It's really about God and his glory. Amen? It's about the glory of God. God wants to be glorified. So when God shows us to do something, he wants the glory. How many can say right now, if there's a miracle, that people get more of the glory? All of a sudden there's books. All of a sudden there's, all of a sudden there's expensive fees to have them come talk and share. I'm not saying everyone, but the ones you hear who market it. Amen? And so this mixture of selfish ambition and fame and, and doing these things God's called us to do. I really believe it's that mixture that's causing so little of these real powerful miracles from really happening in our day. Amen. How many know for every uh, person who tried to raise the dead, if they were bold enough, I, I give anybody, go for it. Amen. It takes, it takes a lot of um, faith in God's word. It takes a lot of not caring what people think to try to raise the dead, which I've done on a few occasions. And um, it didn't work out the way that I had hoped. And that's what the book is about. But God still used it for his glory in the sense of what he taught me. And I didn't change who he is. And I didn't come up with things to make it look. Can I just say, if anyone thinks that if somebody's in heaven and they want to come back, I'll be honest, they didn't go to heaven. Amen. That's our reward. And you're not going to want to come back into some really horrific, beat up, sick body. Okay. Now, can they go and have a visitation to heaven and be called back? I believe they can. I can't prove that in scripture necessarily, but people have told stories about what happened to them when they died. And it was documented that they died. And when they came back, amen. And so, um, but I never would ever believe or hear a story where somebody would get there begging God to send them back. So when you hear those kind of stories, you need to really question if that person really died and went to heaven or what happened. Amen. The enemy counterfeits everything also. Amen. And so um, I believe there's a lot of counterfeit experience, which you're going to see with the Antichrist, right? You're going to have a counterfeit uh, experience with the Antichrist where it looks like he died and came back. And I think when anybody comes against the scripture and what they believe or what they saw after they died, it was a counterfeit. Satan's going to counterfeit everything he possibly can. Why? To make us not believe the real. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, Jesus loves everybody, right? But this is a he really knows them. They're really close to him. They're like family kind of love. All right. And everyone in here, hopefully, you have some people that you love, in a, in a stronger relationship kind of love than other people. Amen. God's about family. God is about family. And you can study the gospels and you can actually see, especially if Holy Spirit gives you revelation, who Jesus was really close to. 
Who were his close friends? Who were people he liked hanging out with? Who were people, we've got to get rid of this religious idea about Jesus and we have to get rid of this religious idea about us as Christians. He doesn't want robots. He wants us to love our lives, amen? We are to love our lives. And where there's grace, you're going to love your life no matter what's going on. Amen. You may not like what you're going through, but you're going to love who God is. You're going to love what he's teaching you. You're going to love that he's changing your heart. And you're going to love. We need to get to a place where we don't want Satan to steal the life that God has for us. Amen. It's not okay for him to steal from me. I'm thankful for grace, but it's not okay for him to steal what God has for your life. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Therefore, when he heard that he is sick, then indeed he remained in the place where he was for two days. So it's like, wait a minute. He knows he's sick, very seriously sick. And Jesus, led by the Holy Spirit, doesn't do anything for two days. So, so what do we see about this really the most intentional close-up look at raising the dead in Scripture? This is the most intentional close-up look at raising the dead in Scripture, right? I can't think of another, there's other situations we'll talk about every one of them because every one of them will be in, in the book God has me writing. But this is the one where Jesus himself is very, lays it out and shows you. So he is not acting on fear. He's not acting on pretended faith. And what else is he not acting on? He's not acting on need. God does not respond to need. God doesn't respond to your needs. He responds to faith. He responds to uh, you coming in agreement with him and his ways. And, and I can't get into all the spiritual laws. There's so many spiritual laws in the kingdom. There's so many things. People, people will study everything else and try to, if, if we would really get into the word of God and yield to Holy Spirit as the teacher, it's amazing how much is in there. It just it goes on and on and on. And it's like, Lord, but, but, but he is the one who brings to, he's the one who teaches us. He's the one who's teaching you now if you're getting anything, Amen. It's by his spirit. I'm hoping you're catching this in your, in your spirit, man. Amen? Not just in your head. I tell you, that's why when you read it, it looks like everybody's in their heads. It's like, stop. Let your spirit get this. Amen? Let your spirit get this. Because when you hear preaching that's anointed by God, oh, it actually is seed. According to his word, it's seed going inside of you that's going to produce something powerful in your spirit that's going to then be understood by your mind as you read the word of God and come out of your mouth. And then you'll all, you'd really seriously want to go pray for people. You seriously know God showed me this. God's about this. I want the heart of God for this. All right? So he's being obedient, even to the point of making people upset. If you loved us, why wouldn't you come faster? If you loved Lazarus, why wouldn't you come more? You know, they were kind of putting themselves, if you ask me, they were almost prioritizing their relationship should have motivated Jesus to do something quick. And so what's Jesus showing us here? He's not motivated by your need. He's not motivated by what relationship that you are in with him, what's he motivated by? What the father is doing. What's the father going to receive the glory? John 1, 11, 7. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, just now the Jews were seeking to stone you and you want to go there again. Okay, look what this could look like to Martha, to Mary to Lazarus, who's on his deathbed. Jesus is afraid to come because 
he was almost stoned to death the last time he came this way. So what is Jesus not concerned about? What you think about him as far as is he afraid? Who no come on, these were human beings with human nature, right? They weren't even born again yet. You know the whispers were he's you know he could raise the dead, he's just not coming because they threatened to kill him. And now you have everybody trying to make speculation. We need to stay away from speculation. We need to stay away from speculation when we hear about somebody sick. We need to stay away from speculation when we hear about somebody that died prematurely or when they should. We need to get to a place where we aren't the judge and we do what God shows us for his glory when he shows us. Amen. And if he's not showing you something, can I just tell you, you can go and try and I go for it. But don't go there and pretend at faith acting like you can do something that you have no power to do unless Christ does it through you. Amen? Unless the Holy Spirit flows through you, you are not going to have authority to do this. And so Jesus knew that. Jesus knew, I've got to do this the way the Father wants me to do this. Because remember, Jesus operated not in his deity, so to speak. He operated as the word who became flesh. He did everything the way we're going to do everything if we're going to do it for God's glory. Does everybody get that? He was every bit God, but he laid down doing these things outside of what the Father shows him. Well, how many know we're not every bit God? And the only way we can do anything uh, supernatural, the only, or let me say divine, you can do supernatural following demonic spirits, even manipulation and things like that, you're doing supernatural mess all the time. We got to get free from that. But to do what's divine, you have to hear God and obey God. And sometimes you don't even know you're necessarily doing that. Sometimes, God, you just get that gut feeling. I need to go do this. I need to bring this person. We need to pray. We need to yield. Let me say this. I would rather err on the side of trying than being too afraid of what I look like if I don't try. Amen? So this is not, it takes some level of faith and commitment to God and his word to step out into an impossible situation. But how many would like to mature to a place where we really hear the Lord, we have the heart of the Lord, and then when we do something, God gets the glory. Now, how many know if we only did it whenever we want to do it, how we want to do it, we would take all the glory. A lot of the teaching and the stuff you read in other people and people's books and all, they take the glory. It's the time for the suns to rise up. No, it's a time for us to recognize that the sons and daughters of God have got to mature and hear what the father's saying, just like the Lord taught us so that when we do something, we know it's not of ourselves. Amen. He put this in earthen vessels. He put his glory in earthen vessels so we know it's not because of who we are. And let's be real, it takes a while, especially if God has uh, honored you by using you in some form of, of miracle or some form of even seeing people saved. And you can get puffed up pretty easy. Amen? Some of you should try it sometime. Quit staying so low that you don't do anything to even begin to give the Lord an opportunity to do something through your life. And then when you do something and it doesn't work, don't act like it did. It's okay. Just say, I missed it, not God. All right. So after all this, after two days, he says, let's go to Judea. Then the disciples say, Rabbi, 
Just now the Jews are seeking to stone you and you want to go there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. All right, I'm not going to get into this teaching. This is a very deep revelation of the Lord giving us of how we have to be led by the light. Who's the light? Jesus said he's the light, right? He's the way, the truth, the light. We have to be led by him. If we're not led by him, what does it say happens? We stumble. Amen. Now, how many know sometimes if you're walking in the dark and you kind of know the floor plan, you can maybe make it to the bathroom without running into something and hurting yourself. Not, not if you, not if you're messy. Amen. Especially if you change your mess from one spot to another. Do you know what I'm saying? So, so once in a while you can get somewhere in the dark, but it's not as easy and you're going to be stumbling around and trying to figure out how to do it. Right. But if you go in the light, then you can see if you're especially paying attention to your environment that you can do it. So he's making a point here that when you're going to go do something like this, you want to, the more light that you have in Christ, the more you understand him, the more you're led by his spirit, the less stumbling will do. How many will say we've done a lot of stumbling when it comes to miracles? When it's come, except for those who won't even get out of bed, okay? Some of you've never stumbled because you've never walked. He didn't rebuke them for going in the night, right? He just says if you if you go at night, if you when you if you spend more time in his presence, getting to know him, walking with him, understanding his ways, amen, and his light shines in you, amen then you're going to light the way. You're going to know what to do and when to do it. Amen? All right. So then he says, he said these things. And after this, he said this to them. So he's kind of teaching them. When you, when you see a revelation like that, and he says, he said these things, he went into some detail with that more than likely. He really spent some time preaching that revelation and teaching that revelation. And then he says, after all that, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going that I may awaken him. Okay, I want you to see something really important here. Jesus would not say with his mouth he was dead. Because out of your heart you speak. And in his heart, in that place where his spirit and his soul connect, amen, in that place where what he really believes. Jesus really believed in his heart what was happening in the spirit. Amen. He had no problem with that. Amen. While we're still over here fighting our thoughts and the flesh and what we're seeing and what we're feeling. So therefore, what gets in our heart hinders us from walking in what God has for us. Amen. We've been talking about that a lot. We really need to see that. Jesus didn't have that issue. Amen. He had no issues with his flesh. He was sinless. He, he lived a perfect sinless life. So when he heard the father, he really heard the father. When he got instruction, he really knew what that instruction was. Amen. He had complete faith. No matter what was going on around him, he stayed in that place. And he kept that faith by not sinning. He kept that faith by having time with God. He would get away with God in the morning. He'd, he'd leave crowds after you say, well, gosh, he ministered all day and all night. He, he ministered for days on end, but he would spend that time alone with the father and he loved it. 
Amen. He loved spending time with his father. He loved hanging out, just him, Holy Spirit, and the father all by themselves alone. I want to tell you something. The real honest to goodness power is going to come to those who love and delight themselves in spending time with God. Amen. That's where the real is going to come. And it's going to, it's going to look like something though. It's going to look like something. It's going to look like love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, patience. It's going to look like somebody who's being changed. He didn't have to change, amen? He, he matured in his human body to handle what his spirit mind already knew. But we are, we are having to die to self. We're having to get out of the way. We're having to, <laughs> we, ha we have to begin to ask God, help us to fall in love with you. Help us to know you. Help us to enjoy you. He says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And that word delight is a very specific on purpose word. When he, when he talked about Jesus, when the dove came on Jesus, when he was baptized, he says, this is my beloved son whom I delight in. Delight is an intimate word of deep, strong fellowship. Like enjoying each other. Until you really enjoy your time with God, until you really enjoy uh, just walking with God and hanging out with God and knowing God, uh, then, then it's more about you and your works than it is about this relationship with God. You're like, well, how do we get there? Well, first of all, ask, seek, and knock. Lord, I want to know you like that. Lord, I just want, I want to, I want to delight myself in you. I want to begin to know you like a friend. I know when the Lord... For me personally, I didn't even understand this kind of walk with God until I read Good Morning Holy Spirit by Benny Hinn. And I read it, I thought, he acts like he really kind of knows him and talks to him and spends his time with him. And that got me hungry. I didn't begin to compare myself and say, well, that's not for me, or I know God better than that. I just said, you know what? I want to know God like this, so I'm going to take that time. Now, can I tell you, when you begin to take time to know somebody, it's a little awkward Amen. You meet somebody that first time, like somebody, a neighbor, somebody, a friend, somebody that God's going to make a really good friend of yours. And at first you just kind of chit chat or, you know, whatever. So you're going to have to get to that place where, Lord, I'm taking this time to get to know you. I'm setting aside. If it's 15 minutes a day, if that's where you're at, then make it the 15 minutes a day. Because if you start to delight in him, it won't be hard to go to a half hour or 45 minutes or an hour or all day long. You just, to start some of these things, you have to actually get real about, and you have to read his word. Thank God we have his word. Ask Holy Spirit to teach you. Get in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see who he is. Say, Holy Spirit, show me this Jesus that um, I can learn to know him and delight myself in him. Amen? It's not hid knowledge, it's heart knowledge. Delighting yourself is heart relationship. It's having a relationship with God that you really enjoy him with all your heart. You're not just asking him for stuff and hoping he takes care of stuff. You're getting to know him. Amen? All right. And he's really an awesome, we serve an awesome God. We have a wonderful Lord. He is so funny. He is so fun. He uses your own vocabulary when he speaks to you, but he'll use whosoever vocabulary or language he's speaking to. But he, he's such a great communicator that he can speak with you with such small things. He actually wants us to quit being so boring religious 
and, and thinking people who are that are spiritual, okay? I'm over it. If you don't have a really great life and you don't love people and relationships, get some help. Get healed in the brokenhearted places. Nobody wants that you can say all the scriptures and pray. Get rid of the hurt stuff around you and the broken stuff around you that only draws other hurt, broken people and begin to get healed to love who you are. Amen. I have to begin to love God and let God reveal who I am to change where I was wounded, to change where I was uh, stigmatized by somebody else's idea of who I was, to change where the enemy got in and hurt my personality or, or, um, or a, a, um, a critical parent or something happened. I've got to get free from that. Amen. That's one thing the Holy Spirit's going to do. The Holy Spirit's going to begin to set you free so that you can enjoy God. Satan's going to do everything he can, even through generational curses and relationships and anything he can to make sure you never delight yourself in the Lord. He, he doesn't like it when you get saved. That's a bummer already. But after you get saved, if he can keep you from being a friend to the Lord, from and people say they're friends before they've been obedient. Can I just tell you, if you're drinking and doping around and uh, fooling around and watching garbage and all that, you are not a friend to the Lord. You need to go become a servant, amen? You need to understand your child. You need to get into a place of crying out to God to heal you and set you free. God's not going to mature you into a deeper relationship until you let him do what Holy Spirit's called to do. He wants to sanctify us and make us holy. And he takes that very seriously because he's holy. Amen? He's a holy God. What does holy mean? Absence of evil. Absence of evil. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I, I am going that I may awaken him. He didn't say, I'm going to go and try to raise him from the dead, did he? He wouldn't even say he was dead. As far as Jesus was concerned, for real, for real, he already knew the plan. How many would say we have a ways to go to get where we really so honor and respect the Holy Spirit and his plan and him ordering our steps? But how many want to do that for God's glory? See, you can't really be able to touch God's glory and get into that kind of relationship where God can trust you with something that big. Amen? It would have been so fun to be hanging out with Jesus and these people because the disciples aren't born again, so get that. So they're trying to figure this whole thing out in the whole three and a half year time with him. So then he says, then his disciples says, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, surely he'll recover, he'll be fine, he'll wake up, he'll be okay. They're trying to make him say he's dead. But Jesus had spoken about this de his death, but they thought that he spoke of him sleeping or in slumber. Therefore, Jesus said to them plainly, Jesus, Lazarus has died. Okay, so I want to get rid of pretended faith. Pretended faith says, if you confess that with your mouth, you blew it, right? And then you beat yourself up. Why did I let that come out of my mouth? Why did I say that? If I hadn't said that, they would have been healed. They would have been raised. And you can go read a lot of books written by powerful teachers, especially when God was revealing things about the power of his word, right? Who'll say that. So why was Jesus able to say that and it didn't affect the outcome? Because it's what comes out of your heart, not what comes out of your head. Jesus said it. His heart was already settled. He, he knew. 
He wasn't back and forth. Now let me say, if you're back and forth and questioning it, you don't, you really don't have the faith. You haven't heard from God in such a strong way to have the faith, to be quite honest, all right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What is God saying to you by the Holy Spirit? Not what does somebody else's book say? What do you hope so much or want so much? What do you think you need? Of course, see, when we're clinging and clinging on to something, it already shows we're not mature enough, to be honest, to probably see the miracle. Because we don't, we're, we're desperately holding on that that person not die. And the Bible says for, for a believer to die is gain and to live is Christ. So in the eyes of God, when, it, when you get to go to heaven, it's good. You've won. That's what this whole thing's about. Right? So anything for a believer outside of that is about us. We don't want to let go. We don't want to say this is okay. Right? And that, that shows a neediness in us. I'm not saying that's not normal. I'm not saying that that's not there. I'm saying it wasn't in Jesus. Jesus was only doing this for one reason, for the Father's glory. What, what does it mean for the Father's glory? It's for, for, for God to do his intention, for his purposes, for what he's doing next, for what he wants people to see. Now, I will say this. I believe there'd be a lot more raising the dead if we'd mature. Because if we would mature, God would like to do these kind of things. How many know there, there'd be a lot of people saved in some of our families if we were able to go raise the dead? And we had the heart of God when we did it. And we had the boldness of God to do what he wants. Amen? All right. So Jesus finally says, okay, the Hazareth has died. And then he goes on, I rejoice because of you in order that you might believe that I was not there, but let us now go to him. So Jesus is saying, you know what? You guys need more faith. You guys need to understand the kingdom. You guys need to see how powerful this is. So I'm glad the father didn't let me run there, which to me shows me a little bit that Jesus' own heart would be, let's go now. Let's just go. I don't want Lazarus to die. I don't want them to suffer this. I don't want their family to go through this. And then the father's like, no, you're staying two more days. Amen? And so finally, when Jesus is telling them what's going on, and they're like freaking out, he's like, oh, I'm really glad now that the father did it this way. Because now you're going to really see a miracle, and you're going to know there's no other explanation. So you got two miracles going. He's walking back to a place where they want to kill him. Amen. And he's going to raise somebody literally from the dead, not just heal the sick. Then Thomas, the one called twin, said to his disciples, said to the other disciples, let us go even way that we may die with him. Now we laugh, but most of us are, the, are Thomas. Most of us hear about a miracle that somebody's believing for and we're like, oh, I don't know, they don't have enough faith or I don't know how they're, how they're gonna work this one. So let's ask God to get the Thomas out of us because God can raise the dead for a baby believer, amen? We don't know what God's, what he wants to do for his glory. We, he might think that's the greatest thing in the world to have a brand new baby believer raise the dead, somebody that he wants to totally sell out to him in a minute, Amen? I mean, uh, I'll be honest, when um, 
when Mitchell had really, really bad brain damage and all this kind of stuff, and they weren't giving him a lot of hope. And um, John and um, uh, a, a friend of ours who was a youth pastor at the time went and prayed for him, and he was instantly healed. That was pretty impressive, right? There, there was no great thinking it was them going on. There was no great uh, trying real hard. I mean, no, we need to get to a place where we know this is about God. This is about God's glory. This isn't about our glory. This isn't about something that we can just then think we can do all the time. I had much more pride in stuff. If God, I remember the time he did a miracle for me and I thought, oh, anything I ask from now on, I get. Till the next thing came along and I asked and it didn't happen. Amen? So God's always working with us, always working with our personalities, always working with what's really going on in our hearts. Amen? And we're not in competition. See, when we're in competition, we're doing it for our glory. We're doing it to grow our ministries. We're doing it so people will think. And a lot of times we want to do it because we think now we're safe. Now we don't have any problems to ever think about again. None of those are real reasons that God ever heals. Amen? And Jesus didn't rebuke Thomas. Jesus put up with Thomas. Even after he rose from the dead, Thomas was like, I won't believe it till I see it. I won't believe Thomas saw Lazarus raised from the dead. And then the women come and tell how Jesus raised from the dead. And he goes, I don't believe it. I'd have to, I love Jesus. He goes, I want to see, I want to see where his nail hole was in his hands and the sword went in his side. And then, and Jesus comes right through the wall and says, here, Thomas, try this. How about this? Don't you love Jesus? Jesus actually probably appreciates a Thomas more than a pretended faith person who doesn't have faith and think that they do. God can work with a Thomas because Thomas will at least admit they're not trying to hide what's in their heart and pretend there's something different there. They'll say, well, I don't know. Well, you're going to have to prove it to me. Jesus is like, okay. Because he knew, first of all, he knew how he made Thomas. He knew how Thomas was wired, amen. And he knew that Thomas hung in there. He didn't leave when his brain was probably telling him to leave. Amen. And so he, he's not upset with Thomas. He, he, he would much rather deal with a Thomas, I believe, than someone who thinks they got faith and they don't really have faith. Because he, what does he say? He goes, I don't come to the one who doesn't need a physician. I come to the one who knows they're sick. The Lord's like, I can't do anything for somebody who thinks they have it all. But I could do a lot with somebody who at least hangs in there while they're doubting everything. So that makes some of y'all feel better this morning. <laughs> don't get too excited about being a Thomas I never hear Thomas doing anything super great that's written in the gospels but anyhow alright alright here we go then coming to where Lazarus says Jesus found him already being held in the tomb for four days so he was dead for four days probably did longer but he was in the tomb for four days and Bethany was near Jerusalem about 15 whatever S-T-A-D-I-A's off, however far that is. And many of the Jews had come to those around Martha and Mary that they might console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus is coming, she ran and met him, but Mary was still sitting at the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you were here, my brother would not be dead. Now that's a powerful, powerful statement of real faith. 
She had watched so many healings. She knew the heart of God about healing. And she knew that if Jesus had just been there before he died, he'd been okay. Now, I, I got to say this. We need to get to such a place of believing for healing that we never have to believe for raising the dead for people that we're believing for healing for. Can I say amen? I mean, the truth is, if I don't have the faith to believe for healing, what's going to mysteriously give me the faith to believe for raising from the dead? Now, if I got to that situation, I could cry out. I could ask God. I could see what, what do I need to do. And, and he's so faithful. Maybe he'll show me something. But I need a whole different revelation from God to raise the dead. Amen? Amen? And he's a healer. He's not trying to let it get so bad to make you look even better. Amen? Jesus wasn't really worried about his reputation. He, he was good. He was happy that this would show the people who doubted that he really was the Messiah, that he was power, that he really could raise the dead. Come on. None of us would want anybody to try to raise the dead if that person had been in that grave for four days, except out of desperation and, and not knowing how to get the grace to let go. Amen. And they weren't really asking. She says, Jesus said, Martha said, Lord, if you were here, my brother would not be dead. But she goes, but even now, I know that whatever you may ask God, God will give you. So she was, as she's talking to Jesus, her faith is building, right? As she's talking to Jesus, when she first talk, saw him, her statement wasn't that real that she thought he'd raise him from the dead. But now she's thinking, well, you know, you are God. Whatever you ask the father, I think he'll give you. Jesus said to her, I love this. Your brother will rise again. Now, I want you to really look at this conversation because we're supposed to have these real conversations with God. Amen? And there are two ways. All right? And he doesn't, he wants you to be real. He's all, pretended faith is nothing. Amen? Pretended faith is where you say everything you've learned to say and you watch what you say. The truth is, what's in your heart's got to come out of your mouth because it's in your heart. It doesn't disappear from your heart because you stay quiet. So right now, we see her have a little faith. Well, you, you could do this. She's not saying you're going to. She's not even overly asking him. She's just saying anything you ask the Father. Right? Jesus' sister, your brother will rise again. Now, she doesn't go off screaming, yelling, oh, praise God, you're going to raise the dead. Everybody move out of the way. Here comes Jesus, right? She's revealing that she's still kind of really couldn't understand and get this understanding that he's really going to raise up her brother after he's been dead four days. Maybe longer. I don't know how fast they put him in the tombs. Probably pretty fast. All right. Martha says to him, I know that he will raise again in the resurrection in the last day. What is she showing us about Martha? She's listened to Jesus' teaching. He's talked about the last days. He's talked about raising the dead. He talked about the resurrection that's going to come up. Even the first resurrection is when they come up out of the graves. Now, whether she knew all that, she actually was a pretty strong student of his, wasn't she? She's saying things here that his disciples weren't actually showing us in some of their comments when Jesus died that they understood, right? So here we have this really pretty mature woman 
who is talking to the Lord and bringing back to him how his statement was going to happen. But are you, she's kind of, are you talking about the resurrection or are you really trying to build my faith to believe for now? Now remember, faith comes by hearing the hearing of the word of the Lord. He is the Lord. Amen? He's the Lord. So for us, we have to believe what he says based on his word with the revelation from the spirit because we don't, everyone's not gonna get to see him every time you need a miracle, amen? You'll read the stories of when he reveals himself miraculously through visions and dreams and that's all great, amen? But he even says how awesome it is when you believe and you haven't seen, Amen? And how many know you can't make him show up when you want him to show up to build your faith? Does anybody else know that? So, but he, he's showing us here. So, so we get it. They also don't have Holy Spirit in them yet. So what they, their revelation of Jesus is really Jesus, right? Like in the flesh. We get the revelation of Jesus all the time because his spirit lives in us revealing Jesus, amen? And that we have his written word to have Holy Spirit uh, to train us and teach us by and help our flesh, help our brains to get it. All right. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Basically, you're right. And the one believing into me, though he die, he will live. Which is one of the main reasons Jesus came, right? He came so we would never have to die a permanent death. He came so we could have everlasting life. So I want you to understand, even in this um, talking with her that Jesus came with this really bigger plan that we need to embrace. I know that I know that my daughter is alive. Now I did get a vision. I got to see her, praise God. But I knew that before I had the vision. Amen. I knew before I had the vision that she was with the Lord. Amen. And so in my heart, it was already settled. I knew I knew that she was with the Lord and I knew that, that she's in heaven. And I know one day her body will come out of the grave and I'm not going to get into that, but she's going to need a flesh body to a glorified flesh body to come back here for that thousand years reign. Plus he didn't mean for our bodies to go to the grave. So when he, when that big time comes at the end of times, when he he already had one resurrection. When he came out of the grave, all those people who were in, um, in paradise, all those people who were in Abraham's bosom, I'm sorry, not paradise, Abraham's bosom, every, all those who were in Abraham's bosom, all of them who were believers in Christ that he went and preached to, they all came out uh, of the grave and walked around everywhere. That was the first resurrection. How powerful is that? And then there's going to be a resurrection um, for everybody at some point, even the, the judgment, the last judgment, everybody's going to come up and God's going to decide and they're going to take their, um, I can't get into it. If you get into the whole teaching on hell, they actually have their flesh burning and burning and burning and their worm never dying, but that's another whole deeper thing. Amen? But it's real. So, so she's giving some understanding of this. And um, Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one believing into me, though he die, he shall live. And everyone living and believing into me shall not die to the age never. Do you believe this? So he's giving us a really powerful understanding about resurrection. Every single born again believer who does 
who does not deny Christ. Every single true born again believer will never die. They will be resurrected. So we don't have to worry about what happens to our bodies when they're left and we're gone with Christ. Our soul and our spirit, which are joined, amen, and are joined to God. That's what gets you into heaven, just so you know it. Holy Spirit power is going to take you into uh, eternity, amen? That's why you have to be born again. All right. She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the son of God who comes into the world. And saying these things, she went away and caught her sister Mary secretly saying, the teacher is here and he calls you. He wants to see you. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was in the place where Martha had met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, seeing that Mary quickly rose up and went out. They followed her saying, she is going to the tomb that she may weep there. Then Mary when she came where Jesus was, seeing him. Remember, Mary's the one <coughs> who, you know, washes her feet, his feet with her hair and, and just loves him so much. Okay, um, Mary says, Lord, if you were here, my brother would not have died. Okay, how many, we need to get to this place to know we need to walk in a relationship with God to heal the sick. Amen? We need to walk in that relationship and look for that relationship with him to increase in our lives because God hates premature death. He hates that people get sick. It's a spirit of infirmity. He wants us to seriously, seriously. We need to get free from always looking at medicines. Amen? And, and we got to get free from settling with the disease and sickness the enemy puts on us and going deeper in God and not deeper in, in essential oils, not deeper in anything that takes the place of healing. Amen. Jesus came to, to not take us back into bondage to, to these things. We take care of ourselves. Amen. We're supposed to take care of ourselves. Some nations you can't. All right. He's not going to penalize the nations who don't have the money or the ex, the, the able to do this and say, well, too bad. Amen. He's going to heal because he's a healer. We want to see how much he hates sickness. He wants us to get his heart. He wants to be glorified. He says we shall heal the sick. Amen. We should never have to die of sickness. Amen. And we need to start getting that same kind of heart about it and not being sidetracked with this new trend or that new trend or this new thing. Father, you get glorified. Jesus did not want somebody to die prematurely. Amen. All right. Now I saw this. Then when he saw her weeping, and the Jews had come down with her weeping. Jesus groaned in the spirit and was troubled within himself. And he said, where have you put him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. When he saw the pain in Mary over her brother's death, when he saw the spirit of grief, a demonic spirit of grief attacking her, her, someone he loved. He was very troubled inside. He, he, the compassion was coming. He was like, this should have never happened. Satan should have never been able to come and do all this damage. And I want us to see the heart of God when he sees what's happening 
in war zones, when he sees what happens. It was never intended when God created the earth that Satan would get in charge of it. Premature death is Satan in charge, even if you're a believer. Amen? That's why when Lauren died, the Lord, by her spirit, had her draw a picture of a demon in that tree. That's why by his spirit, he had her write us a goodbye letter. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Do you know how powerful, supernatural that is? And, and you know, God, that child was led by the Holy Spirit at a young age. Amen? He wants, what he said, unless you become like a child, you can't even enter the kingdom. Why do you think the enemy is trying to pump garbage into our children at three? He knows the best way to stop a powerful move of the Holy Spirit, the best way to stop these kids from getting saved is get them institutionalized with demonic, perverted teaching at an early, get them unclean and messed up as early as you can and keep their parents all busy working and running after money and running after things instead of being led by God of what to do and how to do it and to rise up and do what's happening in our nation. Now, thank God and say, we've got to take back this nation for holiness, amen, for righteousness. We've got to start having a voice. We've got to get our hearts right, amen. And let me say, if we don't do something to rescue our children led by Holy Spirit, we're going to be right back at the same place in not many years from now and worse. We should be so upset at what they're doing to our children. Just so upset. And everybody can't afford Christian school and they're trying to close those down anyway. Amen. And they could take away your right to homeschool in five seconds, people. We've got to quit trying to protect ourselves and start thinking about our nation. Amen? The church has got to wake up. So when we see Jesus groaned in his spirit and was troubled within himself, that is intercession. That is God's compassion. That is the Lord saying, oh my gosh. That, that's him connecting that's him in front of these people connecting with the heart of the father. Amen. He's connecting with the heart of the father. He's, he's, he's seeing how horrible death is. He's firsthand. He's seeing how much it hurts people. He's actually tasting of sorrow and grief so he could take it for us. Amen. I believe that's where he took it so he could take my sorrow and grief the, the night Lauren died. Uh, when he said, I carried it, do you want it? No, he's feeling it. He's experiencing it. He's tasting it so that he could, and he doesn't have to, right? He's doing it so that he can heal us from it. And I just want to encourage anybody, don't buy the lies that we have, we sorrow like the world. I don't sorrow like the world. I'm not going to sorrow like the world. I am not going to let a spirit of grief come in and destroy me after spirit of, of steel, you know, where the enemy came to steal, kill and destroy, and then add on to that grief. So the devil can beat me up and torment me about it. No, and I'm not going to buy other people's versions of how to handle that. I'm going with the word of God. Amen. And it's been 30 years now. And how many know the word of God with the Holy spirit in charge works great and also has set others free throughout the nations. And we're just beginning. 
in case anybody know, I'm, I know I'm older, but I don't care. It's taken a long time for God to get me to this place and to get what he wants done in our world and for people to have ears to hear. We've got to get rid of all the crazy doctrine that makes people think it's okay to grieve. Well, it's okay to grieve. It's okay for anything. That's not blatant sin. But why would you want to encourage somebody to grieve unless you've never grieved or you want somebody to join your pity party? Amen. It's a horrific thing when it feels like everything in you is being destroyed and you were stolen from and it's so spiritual you can't even understand it. Why would you wish that on believers who have authority over it and act as if it's an, well, let them grieve. I'm not letting anybody grieve who talks to me. Amen. I'm not preaching the truth of God's word. You can choose to grieve, but you're not going to grieve because I'm in agreement with the enemy destroying you more. It's a different trial the minute Satan comes and kills, steals, and destroys. You need a new grace. You need the grace not to grieve. And I've seen people come in grieving 10 or 20 years later and after we pray for them, led by Holy Spirit with the heart of God, because sometimes when you experience something and you recognize how horrible it is for real, you don't want other people to ever taste it. You don't even want your best, your worst enemies to taste it. Amen. You want people free from it. When Jesus set me free, when he set me free and I said, Lord, you got to show me this in the word. He took me to two places. You shall obtain joy and sorrow shall flee from you. You obtained it the first night. He was like, go girl. Well, the only thing I could go was for his spirit to embrace me and take over in my life. Amen. And I remember that was the moment I said, wow, if you really do this, you do all of it. I believe he's a healing God. Amen. Because he says so in his word, but I experienced him carrying my sorrow and grief for real. And I'm so thankful. I don't want anybody to go through that. I don't want anybody to go through sickness. I don't want anybody to go through burying their child. I don't want anybody to go through this. And what you see Jesus there, when you see him groaning, when you see him, um, his, his spirit is like, de he's dealing with this thing in the spirit realm. Amen. It's compassion coming up in him to do something. He was in complete agreement with the father ho, to raise Lazarus from the dead. He was in complete agreement to give him back to his sisters. And God's going to get glory in that. God's going to get glory in that because the heart is about the heart of God. And so when it sit there, when I was reading this the other night, and some of you heard this, he changed me so much when I saw this part. 30. When it says Jesus wept, I said to the Lord, and some of you heard me say this because it's just one of these revelations that has shaken me. I said, Lord, you already knew that he was going to raise up. You already knew he was going to die. You already knew he was going to raise up. You already knew the ending. How many of us know when we get to the place where we know the ending, we get that ending and we're not faking it? And you better start doing the little stuff and knowing the ending. You're not going to know the ending to the big stuff. You might have hid knowledge and read all the books and blah, 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 blah. But it's not going to be real, amen, until you have the ending to little things. You build yourself up in your most holy faith. How many know we got things to do, amen? We yield to God, yield to love, hang out, delight yourself, let him change you. We are entering into a day when you're going to seriously be light in a dark world, amen? So I said, Lord, why did you weep when you knew all that? 
Why weren't you going, ooh, in a minute they're going to see the party. Ooh, in a minute they're going to see how great it is. You know, we saw a lot of this, and I'm not being critical, but a lot of the prophets who kept acting like this is over tomorrow, this is over tomorrow, let's celebrate. They don't have the heart of God. I mean, they may in some areas, but they didn't see the bigger picture. God is not excited about the people who don't know how they're going to put gasoline in their cars to get to work. He's not excited about the people who, don't, who have to eat a lesser level of food because of the corruption that's going on. He's not sitting there going, oh, this is going to be over soon. He walks through it with us, you guys. He walks through it with us. We have to, as the church, not... We've got to recognize we're going through and we're getting to something we've already seen. That's the prophetic. Amen? But we live as live knowing the reality is what we've seen. That's the true prophetic. That's for every believer, right? But we don't pretend we're not walking through it. That's the counterfeit. That's pretended faith. That's what turns everybody off. That's what makes it. And there's no power in it. There's no power in that. <laughs> See, the kids all agree. There's no power. Do you get what I'm saying though? We have a God who walks through the valley with us. He's not like, hey, I'm over here. It's all great. Don't worry about it. He's like, come on, get this, understand this, get this heart, get compassion, know what's going to happen. Okay. And so the Lord said to me, Cindy, you've got to see this. People don't really see this. Not many people see this. I wept. Because this was never the heart of the Father. And when I say Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he said this was never our heart, the heart of God, that people would suffer watching people die and having to bury them. Death was never something in our heart. Watching people go to mental institutions, watching people get caught up in sexual perversion, watching people not know if they're male or female, watching marriages dissolve, watching kids get confused, watching, it's not in his plan. And he says, he said, everything is for the father's glory and the father gets glory when things, he's the author and finisher of what's going on when he's the one writing what's going on. Not you, not what you want to happen, not what this person wants to happen, not what that political party wants to happen. What does God want to happen? And the whole cross, you guys, was Jesus making a way to undo the works of the enemy so that the Father could be back in charge of writing the script of our lives. And when Holy Spirit comes in, God now has made us a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. So that we don't, we shouldn't have to face. We may face these things, but we should overcome. Because now we have God able to communicate with us. Now we're, or we're, let's say we're able to communicate with God. Now we have uh, uh, what's been paid for, you know, to, to, to what's been paid for. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a big deal to be born again. It's a big deal that now we have answers in Christ. Now your marriages can work every time. Amen. Now you can know that if he's going to show you how to bring healing in your homes, he's going to take care of giving you food and keeping your jobs, but it has to be for his glory, not you. 
Now, let him really get this in you. This is big. This is not a little dinky thing. This is really big because you think, oh, yeah, yeah. No, the truth is he wants to do it for his glory, not for your convenience. He wants to write. He wants the story that he's written to come out about your loved ones. He's not, he didn't do it so you wouldn't have to go through grief because he already carried grief. See, he took a care of every single thing where the enemy is going to win some of these because we don't know our God that well. Amen? But God gets the glory because he is the one who wants to write all of this. He's the one who, he deserves the glory. He deserves all the glory. The church has touched his glory. The sons and the daughter, in our maturity, we've touched his glory. In our maturity, we've made it about us. In our maturity, we've tried to market it. In our maturity, we compare ourselves to one another. In our immaturity, and the Lord's like, in maturity, in real maturity, not immaturity, it's all about who he is. How does he cause us to overcome what the enemy has done? Quit pretending the enemy hasn't done anything. There's not a single person alive on the planet that the enemy hasn't done something to, hasn't attacked, hasn't won sometimes. Amen? And when we realize that and quit faking it and hiding behind stuff and become who God wants us to be and deal with this stuff head on, Say, okay, Lord, show me what the enemy done. Heal me from this. Show me where, show me whatever, God. Amen. Then all of a sudden we let go of all these other things. And all of a sudden everything we do seriously is for his glory. And that's how he's going to make the bride ready. So he was weeping even though he knew this was going to have a happy ending. He wept because he did it he, he knew, how many, how many unhappy endings are there? How many unhappy endings are there? How many in this room have had an unhappy ending in certain things? Just because God can turn that to good doesn't mean that he liked that ending. And we've perverted things so much that we blame God for what the devil's done, which is actually kind of making the devil God. In our eyes. I hate that Satan was able to prematurely kill my daughter. And I hate Satan. I hate evil. But I love God. That he could take my sorrow and grief. That he could make me an overcomer. That he could anoint me to, and, and teach me his ways. That he could take something. Now, I could have still had all that. without The devil wasn't part of the plan. Amen? The devil wasn't part. He wasn't supposed to write my story. He wasn't supposed to write my family's story. But he was able to. And I repented for that. You repented, I repented for that. Everything starts with repentance. Repentance is this awesome gift from God that says, you want to do over? You want to learn who I really am? You want to get bitterness out of your heart? You want to see how I can do things? And we've made repentance like a bad thing. Repentance is an awesome gift. 
It's not till I can say, God, forgive me, God. How did I miss it? What was I doing? Where was the pretended faith? I didn't listen to you. Forgive me. That's a great gift. And we've been so taught incorrectly for the most part in the body of Christ, we don't understand that. I encourage you, repent before the enemy steals from you something really valuable. Amen? Amen? And believe his word. Don't believe your circumstances. Believe his word. Get in his word. Talk to Holy Spirit. Find out what he wants to do. But never change who God is. Amen? Never change that he wept even though he... See, he weeps. Uh, the Lord showed me this. As long as we think abortion is not horrific like he does, basically, well, so many, even in the body, all the babies go to heaven, everything. Well, maybe they all do. I don't know. There's no scripture to prove that. But I'm going to tell you what. He doesn't even look at it that way. He looks at it, I had a story for that person. That's my little person made in my image and my likeness. And I had an entire story for their life. I have their whole life written out. I know what I want them to do. And then because of the perversion in the nation, because of people voting the way they want to vote because they're afraid they won't have something tomorrow, they'd kill a baby with their vote to try to have a job tomorrow. You need to repent if you've ever, ever voted for a platform that would kill your babies and promise you a handout. Because there's hands that were stretched out, amen? And they raise the dead, not make babies dead. And we need to pray for the blinders that are on eyes of people who've been wounded and hurt. I'm not judging them. I'm just declaring how God sees that it's not okay. It's not okay at all. Everything going on in our nation is about stopping abortion more than how much gasoline costs. But he does care about that too. Till we stop abortion, you can forget it. We are feeding Baal. We are feeding a demonic spirit in this nation and we fed it for 50 years major. All the way to the point of now mocking God with they don't know if they're a boy or a girl and they get to pick and let's, 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 be, let's abuse them and put all kinds of chemicals and things in them and all kinds of stuff and even cut off their body parts or whatever while they're young. How disgusting has our nation gotten? And how can the church just sit back and shut up? How can you just sit back and shut up? You are the church. We all want to raise the dead. We all want to heal the sick. We all had better get the heart of God about he is the one who wants to be in charge of that baby's life. Rather, he puts it with those parents who are maybe horrible parents, but then they're going to find God because of our prayers. Rather, he, he, that person goes through a horrible life but finds God later. God wants to give every single baby the opportunity of a lifetime to find him. Amen? The cool thing with the cross is because of what Jesus did taking all of this is he made it so God can start writing our scripts for our lives again. And we can get right back into what he has for us at any time. Amen? And we need to really hate what he hates and repent. That's why what God's about to do in the church to bring forth healing the brokenhearted places and setting people free is going to go to a new level of power. All right. He says, where have you put him? 
They said to him, Lord, come and see. Okay, Jesus wept. Then Jews said, see how much he loved him. But some of them says, was this the one, the one opened in the eyes of the blind, not able to have caused that one should not have died? Okay, I want this out of my own heart. Okay, I can be that person. I can be that person who tries to reason why it should have been done different. I can be that person who judges. I could have been that person who would have sat there judging. Well, why didn't Jesus come sooner? I know none of you all could be, but, but that's what could be in my heart. Amen. I want it out of my heart. I want it out of my heart. I want it out of my heart judging anything, period, except blatant sin in the church to help somebody get free. But I want it out of my heart to think that I could do God's job better than God. And all you control freaks, you got it. Everyone trying to decide what your husband should do, what your children should do, who they should marry, where they should be, where you should live. What You've all got it. You've all got that same spirit that he's talking about there of you see him, you know he's real, you know he's got power, and you wonder why wouldn't he should have done it this way. He should have, he should have done it this way. So I could see all the conviction. So let's all say, Lord Jesus, forgive us for being your judge, for thinking we could do this better. We know that's impossible. Please forgive us. Set us free from being your critic and other people's critic. Get the critical spirit out of us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you really want to get to heaven and have the critical spirit thing brought up and everybody hear all the places you criticize? See, I love the blood of Christ. It just covered all the criticisms I've ever done for years and years and years, even if it's just in your thinking or just talking to one friend. Amen. I want it gone. I want evil thoughts gone. Amen. How many know he's the only one who can take them, but he will when you hate them. All right. Then groaning again within himself. Do you hear that? That's, that's spiritual, you guys. That's his spirit where he's one with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, where he's one with God. In flesh, where Jesus in his flesh, his spirit is so powerful and so strong that he groans within himself. That's what that's talking about. It's if you've ever done really, really deep intercession, if you've really ever cried out, if you've ever had a groaning, nobody can understand. It's Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a divine thing of God coming forth, but you feel it in your flesh. You're in agreement with you with it. So Jesus had to have the heart whew, of how much this hurts people. See, we can have hid knowledge of things. I'm just going to say this, so get this. I had a lot of hid knowledge, and I got into a lot of pride because of the things I've overcome. Because I got a powerful track record of overcoming. I mean, one thing after the other. It's amazing the things I've overcome. But it's his grace that's done it for his glory and his purposes. And I was touching it as if it was for me when I've slowed everything down anyway. But then I could get hard-hearted to where there's no compassion. I don't know if you remember, but if you read my book, Joy Comes in the Morning, the very last thing is I, or actually, I think it's in the new book I was writing that I just found on my computer the other day that I haven't written yet. I wrote part of it. But the whole thing started when I asked God for compassion. I think it was in the book with for Mitchell. It's like, Lord, give me compassion. And I changed my mind. I don't want compassion. If I've got to go through hard things, if I've got to deal with my heart issues, I don't want it. And the Holy Spirit said, you're going to get it. 
Amen. You're going to get it. This is, this is the father's plan. You wanted what he wrote. You're going to get this. And I did not have, com- I had compassion in a, I had sympathy as a kid. I used to sit and cry and cry when I watched um, the uh, um, Jerry Lewis telethon. Cry the whole time. I'd boo-hoo. My mom goes, I don't know what's wrong with you. You, you sit there for two days watching that thing and all you do is cry. And I would cry, I would cry if somebody was sick. I was so caring for my cousin who, who was very disabled. And then once I, got a, once I got some miracles and once I saw some things, I began to judge everybody who didn't overcome like I did. And I touched his glory. And he's so faithful. Isn't he awesome? He, saw, he still used me. Praise God. He's he showing me why he's still going to use Trump. So quit not liking Trump's personality. God knows where he's at. Amen. He'll use you right where you're at to help to get to people. He's amazing. He knows how to be God. He knows how to be God. Aren't you thankful? Amen. We need a God who knows how to be God. And he knows how to use all this mess. He's amazing. We couldn't do it if we tried. And so then he's been doing this to me. And when he showed me, he goes, this is it. Remember I told you I was going to get you to compassion. I thought, wow, Lord, look at all I went through. I'm so, I was so hard-hearted. He goes, yeah, pride makes your heart harden. Knowing me, knowing me a lot can actually harden your heart if you start thinking it's for your glory. If you think it's about you, if it's thinking it's about what I'm going to do for you, if it's about what you've been through. When, it, when, you're, when you're in this at all, it hardens your heart, which causes pride. And then you've got to go through more. God's never going to give up on you. Like, okay, let's do this. Okay, let's do this. I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord. See, here's the good part. You can actually get these revelations without walking through what somebody else has walked through if you let God do it in your heart. Amen. You don't have to go through something horrible. That's not how he wrote this. It's how the devil wants us to go through it. It's how the flesh will take us through it. But we can actually yield to Holy Spirit for real and ask Holy Spirit to give us God's heart, to soften our heart, to get the evil out of our heart. That's why we don't realize Tuesday nights have been extremely important. Amen? So I'm like, Lord, thank you for getting it. Can I tell you something? Mm. When he sets you free from some big stuff, it's so freeing. It's so great not being judgmental anymore. It's so great not being critical anymore. It's so great. I can minister. I, I don't get angry. Somebody wrote me something just after a meeting the other day, a real long thing. I haven't even read it yet. I'm not angry. I'll respond when the Lord shows me to, but I'm not going to respond with the urn like I used to respond. It's like, show me, Lord, they're hurting. They're, they really said this and, you know, sh- help me to do what you want the way you want. Amen. What do you want to write, God? What do you want the story to be, God? See, my brain could know what to do, but my heart wasn't in agreement and I'd still do it. Some of you won't even do it. Even when your heart, even when your brain knows what you should do, you're going to stick with your mean old hearts. Amen. But, it, but how awesome when your heart lines up, how awesome when your soul agrees with your heart and now your heart's been softened to agree with the Holy Spirit. That's the maturity he's getting us to. His, boy, this, this, I tell you, these last couple of months, the way he's changed how we see racism, the way he changes the dreams, the, the things he's doing, and we've got to win the young people. My heart and heart was like, well, you know what? There's got to be a generation that's all going to hell. That's when he's going to come back. This must be them. Lord, no, they won't come until I have a church that won't do what she's supposed to do. 
Amen? Or my bride gets so ready and everybody's had that opportunity and I take her out and then my wrath is going to come, which is still gives the people an opportunity to want him. Amen? Sheep nations are not going to take the mark of the beast. There'll still be some nations here with believers in it that will have a way of escape from some of these things that are going to happen. There's a whole season in all that. Anyway, I'm not going to get into all that. All right. Now, here we go. Then groaning again within himself, Jesus came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was laying on it. And Jesus said, lift the stone, Martha, the sister of the one that had died. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Jesus said, lift the stone. Then Martha, the sister of the one that had died, said to him, Lord, he already smells for it's the fourth day. Now, if you study Martha, she's always concerned about stuff like that. But, but what, why would God even include that in there? Because he's okay with us being real people. Amen. He's okay with us thinking the practical things. Amen. What else does it show us? Martha didn't have great faith that this was going to happen. Right? Martha didn't have great faith that this was going to happen. Here she knows it's Jesus. She knows he's the son of God. She has all this revelation about him. She doesn't have the Holy Spirit in her yet. She has all this going and she's kind of sitting there going, nowadays we, we don't get to that, but this would be when they're going to turn off the machines in the hospital when you prayed for the dead. And that, that, that's doubt that says, oh no, is this going to really work? And when I do my testimony on the little boy um it's in my book but i didn't go into detail in the book about the little boy that they pull the machines off of i know exactly that voice telling you it's not going to work there were a lot of people this year who had that voice talking to them which was their doubt because god wasn't giving them the faith and now questioning what happened. Amen. Jesus says to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you will see the glory of God? What does this show us about him? He's going to be with you right to the moment you, you've got to get to believing. When he said that to her, she must have believed. Amen. She must have believed because he didn't say, don't worry about it, no matter what, you're going to see it, right? She didn't say that, did, she, did he? He didn't say that. He said, Martha, just believe. Do whatever it takes that your heart hears. See, he is the word, okay? He is the word. So he's showing you how real faith comes. He's the word. He's speaking into her and she has to grab it in her heart. She has to believe he is the son of God. He is the son of God. He is the resurrection life. He's right here. He's going to do that. Can I tell you something? That's how you get a miracle too. I feel the presence of God. He's right here. He gave me this scripture to fight with. Ooh, get this, you guys. When he gives you that real word, that rhema word, that word that jumps off off the scripture. This is when we had a powerful prayer and the anointing got so strong. Sybil was here. She got the exact scripture for what we needed. You cannot do this without a word from God. And it can't be a word you put in your brain and try to make it work. Amen. It's got to be a word that comes by his spirit. That's totally anointed by his spirit that has life in it. And then when you get it, you receive it in your heart, you believe and you release. And I'm going to tell you, that's what's been happening on our prayer meetings, Friday night and Sunday morning. It's been amazing. Amen. 
Because without that, we're just saying words and hoping it works. Obviously, she believed. Because when he looked at her, he said, just believe. Just be he is the word. So when he gives you a scripture, like he gave me the scripture that not one hair of Mitchell's head would fall to the ground when the doctors are telling me he's eaten up with cancer. I knew he wouldn't have cancer. They tried to find cancer for years, but I knew he wouldn't have cancer. Why? Because God gave me that word and that word was full of his presence and it came into my heart and it gave me a knowing. Are y'all getting this? Is everybody getting this? Your spirit's got to get it. You've got to know. You've got to know. You've got to know. You got to know, no, God gave me this promise and God's going to bring it to pass. You can't just do whatever you want, however you want, live however you want. He's not going to fix all your messes. He loves you too much. He's not going to help your escape plans that are running from what he's trying to make you face. Amen. When he really gives you a word, you want to get free from hearing the false junk. You want to get free from pretended faith. You want to get free from reading what you want to read and thinking what you want to think. Amen. You want to have a relationship with God where when he speaks to you, you know it's him. You know he gave it to you. You know it. You feel it. You love him. He's changing you. He gets the glory. He gets the credit. And then you fight with it. Amen. And you get another word the next day. He says, don't hang on to the old word as if it's going to fight the next battle. Amen? But when you get his word, you've got to see it. It's just like, oh, when he anoints his word and he brings it to you, however you find it, whether somebody turn on the radio, it's there, whatever. Do you understand what I'm saying? You need to start seeing. It's just like Jesus looking Martha in the face going, just believe. Just believe, Martha. Just believe, Martha. Amen. You got to get that. You got to get that. Husband has the same authority against the enemy as the wife has for each other. It's powerful. It's powerful. Praise God for that. That's how much he loves marriage. That's how much he doesn't want the devil to come and hurt you by stealing somebody you love that's important for your life. Can I get an amen? Amen. And you just got to rise up. Quit looking at them and trying to make them do something. That's God's job, not yours. You just get that word. Amen? And you get that heart. God, I just, I want it for your glory. I don't want it because I really need it because I know you could give me the grace to handle whatever's going to happen. And I can't, I'm not going to even think of that. I know you're a healing God. I know you're a merciful God. Lord, Spend time with him. Talk to him. Go to the courts of heaven, whatever. Amen? But hear God. But when that word comes, when you really quit getting fake words, quit listening to people with all the fake mess. Amen? When that word really, really, really comes at you, anointed by the spirit of God, people, you can know that you can know that you can know it's going to come to pass. It will not return void. It doesn't mean you just sit there. It means what does he want you to do next? Well, just keep hanging out with him, loving him. Don't do it to get what you want. Do it because of who he is. 
See, you can't manipulate God. He knows if you're serious about a relationship with him and you need to know. And if you're not, ask him to give you the grace to get serious. Amen? Is this helping? Because if, if you can believe for something like, we, we need to be able to believe for things like this. Amen? But for God's glory, for God's glory. But it's his glory that we don't go through sorrow and grief. It's his glory that I don't have to fight sorrow. Amen? It's his glory that I get what he planned. If the, think of it, what does he have planned for me and my family if the devil didn't exist? Then they lifted the stone where the dead one was laid, and Jesus lifted his eyes upward and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me. I want you to get this. You've got to get to such a place in your relationship with God that you know he hears you. Whew. If you had a parent who never heard you, that doesn't really listen to you, then you can get a spirit that you take in to say, they're not listening. They don't hear me. And then you think God's like that. See, I know God hears me. I just want you to know that. I know God hears me. Who do you think you are? I just know him. I know he hears me. And if you don't know that he hears you, spend time with Holy Spirit saying, what do I do in this relationship, God, so that I can get to that place of knowing you hear me? I know, I know you're not deaf. I know you. Why don't I think that you love me that much? How do I, how do I get there? Amen? Amen? Recognize where you really are and quit pretending you're somewhere you're not, but also quit pretending you're not somewhere that you are. Amen? Now, some people think they got this great walk with God and you don't. And there's people online who are listening and they don't. And I want you to get the real because the fake is horrible when Satan sets you up and slams you with it. Amen? Horrible. But the real is so good. People are drawn to the real. People want him because he gets the glory. He gets the glory. He gets the glory. Are y'all understanding what he gets the glory means? He gets to finish writing out my life story. And it doesn't include what the devil once planned. Amen? It might include, it should include persecutions, amen? But God will decide if I die for his glory or if I are imprisoned and the angels get me out. He decides. Do you get the difference? He decides. God decides. Whatever the enemy does, based on persecution, he gets legal rights to do things. But God decides what happens for his glory. Amen? Repentance for everything else is what puts God back in true repentance so God can make a way of escape for you. Amen? All right. See, y'all didn't know I was going to take this long to preach it, did you? Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you will see the glory of God? Then they lifted the stone where the dead one was laid, and Jesus lifted his eyes upward and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd standing around, I said it, that they might believe that you sent me. God 
God wants us to get so real in this whole thing that people know that he sent us. We're not just hit and miss and sometimes we get it and sometimes we don't. I know this about my own walk with God. When he shows me, and I know he shows me, I get it. I know it. I know it's going to happen. I have no questions. But I'm not always the one that, I'm not God. I don't take his place. And I can't say what he's not telling me to say. Now, I can come in agreement with you. That's all I can do, which is awesome. It's powerful. I can really agree with you because I have a lot of faith. Amen? I can agree with you. But then it's up to you and your relationship with God and your authority Amen. And how and however God's seeing that. And God's in charge of where that has to be, not me. Amen. But when God tells me, when God tells me to pray for the elections and stuff, when he tells me and he gives me the scripture, I know I got it. I know I got it. Well, you think it's just you? I don't care about who's the just. You do what you're supposed to do. I'll do what I'm supposed to do. But when he shows me, amen. I'm going to tell you something. This battle for our nation has already been won. And now we need to start planning for what to do. For what he's going to do to turn things around. It's not okay that it's won. It's what do we do now to really watch justice? What do we do now to rescue our children? What do we do now? What do we do now? I love that we're at the what do we do now place. Amen? So sit back and watch the show of everything coming down from all the prayers and still be obedient when he shows you something to do. But a lot of people have have, have done what he's called us to do. Not just us. It's, it's a body. He's in charge. If he didn't tell me we already won, it wasn't because of the one or two things we've done. Amen? But when he says it's done, I believe it. Amen? But I still want prayer meetings because there's a lot of things that need to do. We need to do. Amen? And other people may still need to do other things, whatever. I'm excited about this end of April going to nine of the 13 colonies and then hitting the other in May. So be praying. Pray pray that we don't get stuck in hours of traffic. Lord, help us. All right. And saying these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, hear outside come out of that tomb and the one who had died came out the feet and the hands have been bound with sheets his face being bound with a cloth jesus said to him loosen him and allow him to go i'm, I'm going to stop there because it's getting getting late but um if you follow this it was at that point that the enemy decided to kill Jesus they were already trying but now it was serious now it was serious they also wanted to kill Lazarus because every time people saw Lazarus they couldn't stop recognizing that this Jesus was the son of God so real persecution came so when we really seriously start raising the dead and we seriously start seeing miracles as the normal way to glorify God, we're going to come under heavy attack and persecution. And so are those who are going to be those walking examples of how powerful God is. And we need to pray. We need to see what to do. 
we need to be willing then to go wherever he wants us to go and do whatever he wants us to do. Because when that kind of persecution comes, we're going to have martyrs and you won't raise them from the dead. Because they don't want to be raised from the dead. They're being martyred. Their blood is going to release a powerful move of the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's going to cause people to really be shaken, cause people to really see what they believe at all. These are up and coming events. Maybe my generation won't see it that much, but I think we will. But Lorelei and Eve, their, their generation is going to see it. Amen? So we need to really pray. Now, if you love this teaching, then you better say you love this teaching. Then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there, and there's a resource uh, library there. And also, check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you.